And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. years left on our contracts. I mean, it's not up to us, but we got a lot of belief in this group. We got a lot of belief in that core, and it sucks right now, but we got belief. This is a really good team. Um, it's led by world-class players. To get to work with these athletes is going to be very, very special. I know there's been heartache, and there's been some frustration in terms of, our, of where we've been in the playoffs uh, lately, but this team has, has put themselves in a position, and we're going to try to keep putting ourselves in a position to keep knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door, and eventually push through. James, it is Thanksgiving. Although when people listen to this, it won't be Thanksgiving, potentially, so maybe we should not mention Thanksgiving. Is it too late? I already mentioned it. Happy Thanksgiving, Jonas. Look, we're putting in, uh, we're putting in the work. It's, kind of, it's funny, you know, the, the NHL season starts the day after Canadian Thanksgiving, so there's all this roster news. Like, look at all the stuff that's been happening this weekend. Yeah, during a holiday. I guess it's not a holiday for most of the league. Um, yeah, lots lots going on. Lots of roster stuff in Toronto, elsewhere. Any big surprise besides the ones here for you? Uh, well, I mean, I think that those Winnipeg contracts is a surprise. You know, I... I thought when it was kind of so quiet around Hellebuck and that he didn't get traded that they were probably digging in on something like that, but that's, uh, as you would say, that's a big meatball. Those are big meatballs. How old are those guys? Hellebuck's like 31. How old is Shifley? I just read that they're both going to be, I think they're both going to be 38 when the deals are up. So, wow, Shifley's 30. Yeah. Yep. That is a lot. For a long time. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about the Maple Leafs because this is the Leaf Report. Um, 
I think we should start with the obvious. What's the obvious, James? Do you know? Well, okay. So the last show we did, I think we were kind of like, you know what? This camp's been very predictable. It's been pretty boring. <laughs> we kind of know what the roster's already yeah. going to be. And then the next day, it was like, wait a minute. The, the, here comes the wrinkle. And there's there's only really one wrinkle. There's only one surprise. Everything else on the roster all makes sense. The surprise is Lafferty out, which I mean, with at his at his number, not that shocking. Um, but the big surprise is who comes in 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 the the final roster spot, and it's Fraser Minton. It's it's I, and nobody would have nobody predicted that. You know, like I, I know I've. It's funny because he plays in Kamloops. Like they were ready to name him the captain of the Blazers. Like you know, I and I I've been hearing from people around the organization, and they're like, "Is he, when's he coming back?" <laughs> you know, because it's 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 a huge player for them to lose. You know, they've already they Stankoven, they've lost to to Dallas. He's playing well there. Without Minton, they're going to be in big trouble. So, and I think that every, everybody, even even the the kid himself, even Fraser Minton, didn't think this was going to happen. So it's it's pretty interesting that he's he's made the team, and from here we'll see where it goes. I think it's like sometimes you know something happens in camp and you're like, man, I didn't see that coming. But it's something like the organization may have seen coming just because they have more information. They're literally within the plans. So I asked Sheldon Keith today at the practice um, just before I came here to record with you if like he was thinking like he was coming into camp thinking like Minton might be an option. He said, no, like usually like a coach might be like, you know, we keep an open mind to everyone. And I appreciated that he was actually honest. And he said like, he was not on my radar at all. So that kind of tells you that like not even the head coach of the team came into camp thinking like this guy would even be like a dark horse challenger. Like, and, and why would he be right? Like he was drafted like just over a year ago. He's 19. Second I mean, rounder too, right? It's second like rounder. High first round pick. The other thing too, Jonas, is I was at the Memorial Cup because it was in my hometown. Yeah. The Leafs had all of their staff there. Like they had the, it was right after uh, the Dubas situation when Dubas got, got let go. And the, all of all of his staff were all there watching. And Minton had a terrible Memorial Cup. He was not good. You know, I got to see him up close in all the games. I think he had one point in the four games. Yeah, Canvas did. really did not play well. He did not play well. I don't know if he had an injury or not, but he certainly didn't stand out. And he was one of the guys that I had. I was really looking forward to seeing. Didn't have a great playoff in the WHL playoffs either. I think he had four points in ten games. So it's. I would have thought they would have come out of that. I mean, you don't. You don't want to like like it's small sample size and whatever. But the Memorial Cup, you know, Quebec and some of the other teams, Seattle had these big NHL ready guys on the team, and he just looked overwhelmed in that situation so coming out of that i would have said and maybe some of the leaf staff would have said like well, he's not going to be ready and that's fine because he's young and you know this is like found money that that he showed up and played as well as he has you know i've been sending all my family most of my family is like season ticket holders of the team or whatever and they're like we can't believe he's going to make the leaves and i was like look at these highlights and i sent them some clips of him playing in the exhibition games and they're like wow that's that's impressive so i don't know what we make of that like is that just is that just a, a kid coming in and like having the month of his life and, and making the team or has there been like a, a really strong development piece that's happened the last couple months? It's, it's interesting. I think there's probably some of that. And it's interesting. Like Keith mentioned that there was some, I, I guess buzz maybe is the right word from like members of their development team and from like their scouting staff that like 
he might be someone to keep an eye on. Like he might be someone who actually does more than you think. Mm. And and you think about it, like, let me ask you, like, what has stood out to you about the way he plays? Like, I think that I would say like the most apparent thing is like, he's really smart. That's um, what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. he, the thing that, and the thing that he's good at in the junior level too. And, and like I said, I've, I've seen more games of Kamloops than any other junior team and more games from, from Minton than a lot of other players in the league. But the thing that always stands out with him is really good positioning, really smart with his stick, uh, really good, good penalty killer, um, good on, good on faceoffs. Um, but not like a super dynamic offensive weapon. Like, you know, he, he, he's got a decent shot. He's a, he's a pretty good skater, but he's just kind of like a crafty, smart player. And so I kind of thought for him, it was going to be another two, three years. And then he was, the thing that's good about him is that he potentially can play in your bottom six. He could be like a fourth line center potentially, um, depending on how, how uh, strong his offensive game translates. Um, so th- that's the good news. And I, I think that's a big reason why they, they picked him where they did and why they were, you know, when they made that Mrazic trade and they went back in the draft, he was a player that they were looking at. And one of the reasons they felt comfortable trading back that year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's nice that he's got the, uh, the, the brains piece of the equation. Cause as Sheldon Keefe said today, um, sometimes that's the, the hardest part for a young player to get. Yeah. And you know what, James, like the other things he has is I think he has NHL pace. Like that's one of the things that always stands out mm-hmm. with like younger players and HL players. Like they're just like a little, they're just not quick enough. Like they can't handle how, how fast the NHL is. And then like he's six two and he's almost 200 pounds. Like he's not small. And yep. like, I was just thinking, uh, I can't remember what I was talking I may was talking to masters at the rink. And it's like, you think of like, Nick Robertson, and you look at the two people who have just passed him by, prospect wise, Matthew Nyes, who's like 6'3, 215 or something, two, like just a big guy, and Fraser Minton, who's 6'2, 192. Like they're just physically equipped to play in the NHL, and I think they also have the pace advantage over someone like him. Do you think it'll last? Like, do, are you, what are your prospects for him? What are my prospects for the prospect? Is that the right way to phrase it? Yeah, is that that's not great phrasing by me, but honestly, I feel like today is not the day to kind of like poo-poo what's going to happen. Like I, I feel like okay, I feel like it's a it's a good thing for the organization. It's good vibes. I think it, it's probably a situation where he gets the nine games, but but I mean nine games is quite a lot, right? Like it's almost a month, so. Yeah. You don't even have to play him every game. I mean, the, the other great thing, I think, by by trading Lafferty is they open up enough cap space where they can carry an extra player. So they can carry an extra forward. They can carry an extra D. They can move some players in and out of their lineup. You know, they can they can sit Minton if there's a back-to-back if they want and get some different looks at the lineup. Um, you know, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, give him, give him five to nine games, see where he's at at that point, and then you make a diff- another decision and good for him for putting himself in the conversation to even get the nine games. Yeah. I wonder if the fact that like he comes in a camp literally with no expectations personally from the organization, like there really isn't any pressure on him and he seems like, I don't know him at all just from being around him for a handful of days. Like he just seems pretty like low key, like not really. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah. Good disposition. I think very centered. Yeah. But but let me ask you, like, what do you think? Like, obviously the lines that start the season are 95% likely not to finish the season, but 
what do you think a nice Minton Yarncrook line can do? Like, do you think that line can contribute offense? Do you think, I wonder like how much that that's two rookies on a line, like how much protecting that line will get. Yeah. They have a well, Domi Tavares Neander line that I don't think will work, but what do you think? Yeah. That was my question is what, how do you deploy that line? And you've also got Reeves on your fourth line too, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, the the question is, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I wonder if they keep an extra forward and Reeves sit some games maybe. I mean, because I could see them, because like, if the camp line could play the tough minutes, then you can probably shelter the Minton line a little bit more. But I, I think with the way that the lines are currently constructed, they probably just see what Nyes, Minton, and Yarncroft can do together. I mean, they give them Yarncroft, who's a good veteran, who's good in the D zone, and it's going to help them. And there's going to be some growing pains, but, you know, for the Leafs, does it really matter if there's some growing pains in the first nine games of the season? Probably not. So you see, it's interesting too. I, can you remember another time where this happened, Jonas, where, because Nyes and Minton played together at the development camp, right? And that was kind of where this started. Like they, they showed some chemistry together. They made some nice plays that carried through to the main camp, started trying them together. And like, wait a minute, there seems to be something here with these two guys. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I can't honestly think of like a situation like that. It's, it's, I mean, it clearly, again, like they didn't come to camp thinking that. Why would they? Like they had Nyes with Tavares. Um, and obviously, like the other part of this is, is Neilander at center. We were talking about that on the last podcast. And I think that was right after the Monday game where it just didn't look good at all. And literally the, that practice, it was over. Um, I thought it was interesting today. Keith didn't like close the door on it fully. I mean, I yeah, guess he can't come because on. it's but it's closed. For, like, Don't you think? What, it was, he literally wouldn't do it in the. Pre- I mean, yeah. I guess if they had a multi, like the fact that like even well, what in preseason he's games, is he wouldn't do it in the preseason because he wanted to look at Mint in there. That's what he's saying. I think that's you could have done both. He gave it two games. I mean, yeah. I didn't think he was going to be patient with it to begin with, just because every other time it. But he doesn't he have it? to in the back of his mind? Sorry to interrupt again. I, no, doesn't he in the okay. back of his mind have to like think, okay, Minton looks great. I want to give him the chance. But what if, like, yes, what if Minton's going back to junior in nine games? Like, I need like a plan B. Yeah, and like, and like, what if eventually we decide, you know what, we got to move Tavares over to the wing? Like, I don't know why. <laughs> well, they're not going to be able to, Jonas. They don't have the personnel to do that. You're right, but but I think we can just stop talking about that. To be honest, <laughs> unless un- unless they acquire like a, unless a they center or someone. I just don't understand like what happened because like the first day that was the whole thing. We're going to give this a real go. We're actually going to try it and not just like drop them in for a few practices and we're going to be committed. And then I get it. It did not go good, but you have to kind of give him time to get comfortable, to acclimate. I, I guess what, what I'm getting to is if he had done better in his very brief opportunity there, I don't think this is even a thing. I mean, maybe it is, but I just, if he had played well enough to where they're like, you know what? He can be our third line center. It's, it's done. I don't think they keep him. Mm, but the other thing is Minton can play wing too, right? Like you could keep him on the wing. Yeah, I suppose that's true. That's a fair point. It's nice having like something a little bit different. Oh yeah. Ha- happening Cause it would be, <laughs> I mean, this, it's going to be a storyline like and if it works it'd be fun you know because there's been like it feels like there's been a number of years where the prospect pool and hasn't really been pushing for this team you know it's been it's been 
pretty barren. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't looked this up, but the Minton draft is the first Wes Clark draft. Is that right? I think. Wes was with the organization and then left and came back. So I can't remember exactly what the timeline was on the coming back part. We've talked about this for a long time. Like they needed at some point to get some prospects who helped them who were cheap. Oh, I mean, well, you just having like players, having players on entry level contracts, Jonas, that can contribute in your top nine. Yeah. It's, it's massive. It's, it's huge. And I think our, our colleague Joshua Cloak tweeted out that the last time a teenager made the opening night lineup for the Leafs was Sandine. And before that, it, it was uh, Austin Matthews. So, yeah. There, it's only Ma- since Matthews in 2016. I think Marner was a teenager too, right? I think he was 19 he was, that yeah. year. So they had two teenagers in 2016, but that's, you know, seven years ago. It's quite a long time ago to have only one other. I keep calling them kids. That shows how old I am. I <laughs> only mean, had one other kid. Make they're the young. Team. Yeah, they're, but honestly, young. I mean, we'll see. Like, it's too early to make any proclamations to say that this worked or that worked or whatever. But it's encouraging for the team the way that they've looked. Like, man, like I don't know if I was, if it's an exaggerate, if um, it's hyperbole or not. But like I just have watched Nyes at camp and obviously last season in the playoffs. I just think he's going to be their best left winger by the end of the season. Like I think he'll hmm. end up with Matthews. Maybe that that's over the top, but it just looks like he's ready, which is again not been the case for most of their prospects yeah uh, we'll the, see. the thing you got to be careful about though is like just like the decision making and that kind of stuff because like sure. it's different for him to play on a third line and do you know yeah. what he did during the playoffs last year and like you put him up with the big boys and all of a sudden you know the, 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 like I thought Nyes was was fantastic in the playoffs last year but again there were also some mistakes that he would make that that turned yep. the play going defensive back the other mistakes way. So, puck play, yeah, yeah yeah but I think Hundred percent. I mean, you talk about development curves. Nye's development curve has been off the charts. I don't. I don't understand how he slipped to the second round. Like that was another fantastic pick. Looking that way. Um, obviously, you mentioned the Lafferty trade. So they trade Lafferty just. I guess it technically was after the waiver deadline. I think it was like a minute after when they registered. So they would were it be waiting. before. I think After? they. I think they knew several days in advance they were trading Lafferty, and that's part of why he wasn't on a line. Like, remember he he wasn't in the lineup, and he wasn't. It's because they were shopping him around the league. There was more than one team interested. There was more than one other Canadian team interested, is what I heard. So, um, but the best offer they got was a fifth round pick from Vancouver, which I guess something is better than nothing. Um, Better than putting them on waivers, right? Like if you look at the piece I wrote on Friday about how the how the roster was going to shape up, I thought Lafferty was in trouble. Just looking at the cap math, it made sense to move off from him. From him. Um, and and so I, I thought potentially he was going on waivers. So if you can get the fifth round pick, you might as well take it. Yeah, it's an interesting bet on like a not a bet. Like well, I guess it is a bet to a degree. Obviously, they think, and you alluded to this. That Noah Gregor can basically do what he does. Yes. Like he's fast. He can be physical. He can score a little bit. Not the best hands. He can maybe kill penalties. 
Yeah, like Lafferty a lot doesn't of this, have good hands either, though, right? No, like exactly. Like they're 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 similar. I think Lafferty's better. I think he's more versatile than than Gregor. He can play center. He was playing third line center for the Leafs at Gregor points last year. Gregor played some center for the Sharks. I looked that up. Eh, he played some center. No, like I, not a lot. I asked him. He told me he mostly played wing in, in San Jose. Like I just don't. I think Lafferty is better. But obviously, to the point you made to me when we were talking about this, is he four hundred thousand dollars better? Like for them in this Lafferty's case, salary is. 48% higher or something like it's not nothing yeah and and I connect this back to like I would rather just have both but obviously there's a player they signed in the offseason Ryan Reeves who makes more than both guys and well, is not Klingberg making 4.15 is not great either like no it's not no like all that stuff like I know it doesn't seem like a lot like it's like 1.35 what does that matter but it's like now that you have to punt Lafferty and you have to, and you mentioned Klingberg, like it just makes everything a little tighter. So but on the flip side, Jonas, given the hand that they had coming into training camp, not having Lafferty carrying it. So, so I've got the lineup in front of me to look at the cap sheet. And if they sign Gregor to a league minimum deal, he might get a little bit more than that. They might give him some of the extra room, but if they sign Gregor to a, and, and that is going to happen, I think it's going to happen. Uh, on uh, imminently on, on on Tuesday, I think. Um, so if if they sign Gregor for league minimum, uh, and they carry and they're at a twenty man roster, they're nine hundred and thirty one thousand dollars under the cap. So they have almost a million bucks to play with, and that enables them to recall anybody they want. Yeah, so, which is helpful. Obviously, like it was not going to be great going with ten play or ten players, twenty players. No. Especially when you have like a 40-year-old Mark Giordano, you have Reeves, like, not that they're going to take Reeves out. I should say, too, that when Timmons is back from his four- to six-week knee injury situation, then the, there, there'll be a cap crunch again. Um, right, at which they point d- they'll probably just wave him. Or who knows what the roster will be at by that point, right? Well, I mean, yeah. Like, if, if Minton goes back to Kamloops, then... Right, that frees up some cap space, and there's in and and there always could be another injury too, right? Yeah, I mean it's almost more likelier, likelier than not. Um, so you're okay with that? Like you're okay with the kind of the way this kind of shakes out for them? Well, I think they made the right decision given what they had in front of them. Given that, I mean, I saw. I saw some Leafs fans in the comments on our story saying like they should waive Reeves and no one's going to claim him with that contract or they should waive Klingberg. No one's going to claim him. And it's like, but the team's not going to do that. You're not as a GM. You would sour the whole relationship with that player. I mean, honestly, James, like that, that was like when we were talking about this, I was like, they should, that's what they should do. They should just waive Reeves, but obviously they just signed him. They're not going to waive him. But like the superior player by a lot is Lafferty. The superior player is Gregor. Like those are better players. But anyway, like that, uh, as you said to me, keep recounting our conversations. Like at some point, you you can't keep beating a dead horse. Like this is what they've decided. But my counter is like these are the ramifications of that contract. Like they will continue to be ramifications. Like this isn't the first. I guess would be my yeah. point. Yeah. Well, so. I'm just willing to let it breathe a little bit. I mean, I think we've I've I've said my piece on it. You've said your piece on it. We didn't love the. Klingberg and Reeves signings. Let's see how it plays out in the first month of the season and where they go from here. And, you know, it was interesting. You had your, your bold prediction story on, on the site. I'm very angry, James. They changed the headline from 
spicy to bold. I think that was your yeah. doing because you don't. I wonder like who sp- did that. Yeah, I was so mad. I wonder who changed the headline. I, don't know. I think it was the first thing I did as soon as I looked oh, at it. Oh, man. <laughs> so upset. What were you going to uh, say? But but one of your uh, predictions. spicy predictions <laughs> was um, that, that Klingberg potentially could get traded. There's been a lot of people talking about when you, when you nitpick or criticize the Leafs roster, which we do on this podcast regularly, even though it's... They have one of the best teams in the league, you know, and and we acknowledge that. But one of the counters that you get sometimes is like, well, this isn't going to be the team that they have in the playoffs because they're going to make moves. And look at last year, they brought in O'Reilly and Shen and Lafferty and McCabe and Achari and uh, Gustafson. They bring in six guys. Well, they're not going to be able to do that again unless there's a major injury. The, the unusual thing last year is that they had the Jake Muzzin money on LTIR all year that they could work with. So, I mean, I guess, I guess they could create four million by moving Klingberg if someone wants him. I mean, that that would be a potential option for them at the deadline. Yeah, th- just the way that I was thinking of it, like if it doesn't work, they're going to need another defenseman, and if they don't really need him in that case, in theory, just right. package him with whatever sweetener you're giving. And well, there's not really anyone else that go. makes sense to move, right? I mean, I guess you yeah. could move. Brody, I guess, if you were getting like a top pair. Well, I mean, maybe like who knows how the forwards work work out. Like maybe Domi doesn't work out. Who know? Like who mm. knows, right? But yeah, I've seen a lot it, of fans talk about they should trade Yarncroft, but I I feel like they need him. Yeah, I mean, they just don't have a lot of versatility. He's he's good defensively, like versatile ish, sort of. He's also got three years left on his deal, right? So he's going to be way harder to trade than someone that's got one year left. Yeah, that's, so we should take a break, and then that brings me to one other point connected to this Lafferty thing and the center ice thing. Should should they have signed David Camp to a four-year contract if they really don't even want to play him on their third line? Like, I, I guess it's, it's fine if he's just your fourth-line center who plays 13 minutes a game in the playoffs. He's really good defensively. He'll kill penalties. But it's it's a lot for what the role is, yeah. But, the, I mean, the flip side of that, when they signed that deal, I was like, this concerns me because it feels like they might make him the third-line center, which we know he can't do. I mean, at least they, they saw the limitations of, of that. But now we're getting back into dead horse territory again because it's... But it's not. Just, the horse is still alive. We haven't... The, the horse has is still running. We haven't... I know, but I just don't want to, like, come on the show and just repeat ourselves over and over again. This is not interesting. So, but... All that is to say, I just don't know. Can you get full value for David Camp at two point four million if he's playing with Gregor and Reeves? I, I just I'm not really sure what that line's supposed to accomplish. Yeah, I don't like. Is it? I, I guess it's like kind of like an energy ish like line that they're probably going to just play in the offense of that well. line up, right? Like, and they're going to you know maybe they'll throw Yarncroft out there with Camp at times depending on game situations or you know that right wing slot's probably going to be. I mean, Gregor can play right wing, right? So you could just put. You could you could roll out I don't yeah. know Nye's camp Gregor or you know whatever like you Yarn could just Croc, mix it yeah. up Yarn Croc camp Gregor or you know uh, maybe McMahon gets in some minutes there when he's healthy. Yeah, and and as you pointed out, they were at a point they had just they tried to get Ryan O'Reilly to stay. He didn't stay. If I think if they sign O'Reilly, they sign O'Reilly. Camp's not coming back, right? Right. But they probably kind of like panic a little bit and were like, we need a center. Like, who's going to be our center? 
Well, do you remember who was available UFA centers in the? It wasn't a lot. It was like remember it was, it was like JT Comfer and like there just wasn't a lot there. Well, we were throwing things out there like, oh yeah, and look at the deal that Comfer got too, right? Like he got huge money. Like there's there's no way they would have wanted to do that. You know, people were talking about like, oh, maybe Jonathan Taves is like their fourth line center or something, and because there just weren't a ton of options. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I, I again, like Camp was their third line center for most of last season, basically into the trade deadline when they acquired O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things I remember Keith saying early in camp was that they they saw that look with O'Reilly as the third line center and they liked it and they wanted to get back to where they had like three lines that were like that as opposed to a camp led third line. So I think they've like I think they've seen the light on that. Yeah, but what's so interesting about that is that line wasn't actually that great. At least statistically, it was not great. It didn't really score a lot, and not in the numbers. If I'm not mistaken, were not great. So I yeah, the sh- yeah the the share. I, I guess if I'm with Keith, sometimes it's like kind of like, is he comfortable with them? Are they? Does he feel like they're making yeah. mistakes? Does he? Good yeah. call. They were tr- like that's like as trustworthy as it gets, right? Like Achari, O'Reilly, and whoever. I think it was. But Bundy yeah, you're right though. Like territorially, like their expected goals and possession and stuff like that was in the playoffs was not great. Uh, I'm just looking it up now, actually. Yeah, not great. Mm, not great. 44% for Ryan O'Reilly. Anyway, uh, let's take a break. We still have some stuff to get into before we get to some questions. I want to talk about the waiver wire, and I want to talk a little Neilander, and I think that's it. Okay, we'll take a break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. Uh, so we are through the point in waivers that was going to be interesting and turned out not to be that interesting. Martin Jones doesn't get claimed, which I'm surprised by. Uh, and the Leafs, and no one actually claims Zach Bogosian, which I'm also kind of surprised by. What about you? Yeah. And then you look at the na- the players that were claimed, and it's been the case, I would say, the last week. There's been some really interesting names. Players who don't have much of a profile are getting claimed, and... um. Someone, one of our writers, I, I, I wish I could remember who, who it was, but I think it was Harmon did a piece about waivers recently, and he was listing some of the good waiver claims that have been made the last few years, and there were some interesting names there, like there, Eli Tolvanen uh, from from Nashville, who wasn't getting much of a shot. I believe he went to Seattle, right? And then he was, he was yeah, on the power play there the and time. started putting up, a, like there's been some like- Remember Michael Matteo was actually pretty useful for Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes, I mean, Travis Boyd's played a lot. I mean, that's Arizona, so like, but like sometimes you claim a guy in waivers and it ends up, the change of scenery ends up working out for them and working out for the team. So 
Um, I mean, Curtis McElhinney, remember, as a figure in the news today, but like, remember when Carolina (laughs) claimed him he was amazing? Well, you have to see what the news is. He's the director of goaltending. Huh? Jake Muzzin, Mm -hmm. now a pro scout, and Chris Bork. What's his role? I can't remember. I think he was, uh, they said like college free agent scout, I think. Wow, I've never seen that as a thing. Chris Chris Bork Yeah, college free agent scout. Wow. Chris Bork is the son of Ray Bork, who I played in a charity hockey tournament with last year and is just like the nicest man. It was, we had such a great time. So, um, that's my personal Ray Bork interaction. But he, Chris Bork is like, he was playing up until I believe last year. So he, he's another guy that all three of those guys, Muzzin, uh, Bork and McElhaney, all recent retirees. Yeah. And I mean, it's, for, for Jake Muzzin, obviously his career came to an end like suddenly. Um, so maybe this is like the way he kind of figures out what he wants to do after hockey or in hockey, not even after hockey, but after playing. So, yeah. Um, is that the only thing with waivers? Yeah. I, Jones, Bogosian, like. Well, I mean, they didn't lose any of their D. They didn't lose Jones. They didn't, you know, they didn't claim anybody. I would have claimed um, Bogosian. Like, they're just so thin yeah. on D. Like, I just don't love any of their depth, guys. I mean, I guess ben the Wall question was is. not good in camp. Yeah. Well, I. I like Kokanen. That's what I was going to say. One of the questions we got from Nicholas asks uh, our thoughts on Kokanen making the team. I don't. We don't know for sure if he's made the team or not yet, right? Like, if we're not. We're still waiting on, like, the fi- the roster to be finalized. And there's going to be a bunch of cap machinations that are going to happen over the next 24 hours. Um, so we'll see who the seventh defenseman or the they, – they're going to have one extra player for opening night for Wednesday. So we'll see if it's Kokanen or if it's somebody else. He's just, like, steady and, like, nothing flashy, but, like, kind of, like – I could see – like, I watched him a little closer after keep mentioning him, and it's just like, yeah. You kind of get it, like, and with the other guys, like, kind of just being pretty blah. Well, give us your scouting report on Kokanen, because I haven't watched him a whole lot either. Like, is it, like, is, is he a good skater? Is he physical? Is he good offensively? He is just he- seemed to, like, move the puck pretty well. Like, there was one rush defensively where I can't remember. I wrote it down. It was, like, an NHL forward, and he just cleanly picked the puck away, and that was it. And it was just, like, a one-on-one defensive situation off the rush, and I was just like, eh. I can kind of see it like just like nothing you could see like him being the kind of player that a coach would appreciate. And it was something Keith mentioned after the fact, just that that's the kind of guy you want for depth. Who's just kind of going to do his job and he can play. It seems he can play both sides. I don't know. Like, cause he wasn't supposed to be this now from talking to cloak about him. So Maybe this is a little ahead of schedule too. Another boon potentially to their depth or their prospect pool. Yeah, and I mean, maybe maybe they feel like as an organization now is the time to see what the young players can do and see if they can stick or not. And it'd be, it'd be interesting if they have that many rookies on the uh, on the roster to start. Not not really what we predicted. Joseph Wool's not considered a rookie anymore, right? Like I think he's just he's probably no. I don't think he is. Isn't that crazy? Just, just barely, right? Well, if you play six games in the NHL in multiple seasons, then there's a bunch of rules about whether you're considered a rookie or not, and that's that's one of them. I mean, it's huge for the Leafs that Jones didn't get claimed. 
maybe not huge. Maybe it, like it's important because like well, they're just really one injury away from needing him. And yeah, I mean, who knows how Wall is going to perform? Who knows how Samson is going to perform? A guy, right? Like you can probably find you say him, that, right? but you can you? You could just like claim somebody else on waivers or make a minor trade or you can just. I mean, the, the question, the only thing I would say why it's not that big a deal is I don't think Jones is that good. Like his numbers are not good the last five or six years. Yeah, it's just better to have to throw, put him in there than put like, I don't know. Well, Petra the other guys Zelli they have aren't ready. Like, like Petrozelli right. and his, his, they're not ready, right? But I think you could probably look around the league and find somebody else. Why didn't Tampa claim him? Like, are they just going with Johansson? Yeah. Apparently, they like him. And I, what are they doing for the backup in Tampa? I don't, it I don't says know that off Matt, top of my head. Cap friendly, it's Pat Tompkins. I mean, who I've they, never heard of. I, maybe they've still got another move to come. Sometimes, you know, what happens, Jonas, is that guys clear waivers and then teams trade for them after that, and then they they want to have they want to have the player like the Leafs have done that before. I can't remember who. But they, they, they want to ha- have the player and be able to move them up and right. down, they right? Can just, and, and that, yeah. yeah, they can just assign them to their NHL team right away. Lightning are super close to the cap, too, so that could be part of it. They might not even, given everything they're doing, they might not have been able to fit in Martin Jones' salary at 875. He makes 775, and it looks like he's spent the last bunch of years in Sweden. So, Who, Who's this? Matt Tompkins. Does not sound Swedish to me. No, he is not. He is from Alberta, but he played oh. in Sweden. Turns out you can play in other countries. Yeah, um, but Swede, the Swedish league doesn't get a lot of North Americans playing in it, if you look right. at the rosters, and not a lot of like developing players. Speaking of Swedes, I did want to get your take on Nylander and the contract stuff. It would have been a bigger deal, obviously, if he decided he didn't want to negotiate during the season, but the fact that he is okay doing that, I think, is big for the Leafs. Um. I guess it doesn't really change things for like the, their front office as far as like pushing this along. I just worry for them that he gets off to like a really hot start mm. and, and like he, it, I'm just worried for them. Like I, I really don't care, but I guess I'm concerned for them and especially for tree living that just, just kind of evolves into like Goudreau 2.0 where it's like, you're not willing to pay and they're just like, okay, we'll, we'll just wait. And then they wait, yeah. and then they wait, and then they wait, and then they try to sign him at the last minute. And well, the player's like, you know what? I'm just going to go to free agency. I, I think the, I think the good thing is, is that Nylander wants to stay. You know, I think yes. that they've got that. And the Goodrow thing was a little bit like that didn't want to sideways totally stay, right? That went sideways right at like the last second too, right? Like they thought it was done, and they thought so. You know, and it, yeah, it but if you up, if you look at some of the things that him and his family have said, again, I, I I'm paraphrasing, but. I think if they had made a better offer these summer before right. and enticed him to stay, like he probably would have just signed that contract and stayed. Right. And so I feel like they're gambling a little bit by doing the same thing. Well, and knowing Nylander's agent a little bit, Lois Gross, like he's not the kind of guy that's going to bend at the last, like, I don't no, think that he's not. the deal's not going to like change dramatically over the course of this year. No. And, and I interpreted from what Nylander said, like, um, as far as he didn't want to be told of anything until it was like done, that clearly like they have a number in mind, and if the Leafs aren't going to meet it, then there's no deal. It's probably ten. I wonder. They probably want probably eight 10. by ten. Yeah, that's what I yeah. think. Well, let me ask and the you. Leafs just were trying to get him down under nine, and like they were just so far apart. Yeah. 
Well, do you think the, I mean, he plays a different position, but so Shifley gets eight and a half. Is it an eight year deal? Yeah. Yeah. They both so, got eight year. They both so got eight year deals. Yeah. Shifley's older. He is a center. He's not as good. I mean, I don't know how these things impact each other, but I don't know if that really helps the least, but then I guess there's other contracts you could say should help the least. I mean, looking at comparables, Nylander's numbers like between 9 and 9.5 is what makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay, let's take a break and then let's get into some questions. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm just looking at my depth chart and wondering if there's anything else I missed that we should be talking about. Well, is there any, are there any other, like, we can do like a lightning round here. What about like, like Nick Robertson? Where's he at coming out of camp? What's your take there? Well, I think you had it right from the beginning. I keep crediting you. I shouldn't do that. I should just take your takes. And yeah, make I've been mind. around the, I've been around <laughs> the block for a while. I think you're right. He just needs to play games. Like, I didn't think he, I mean. He didn't he, really distinguish himself. There was a himself. world. No, in, there, no, he didn't. Like, pre-season. the tough thing for him, James, yeah, like, he needs to prove that he can produce offense. And, like, I know he had some chances. He just didn't. Like, did he? Yeah, I think he had one goal in the preseason. Not that that matters, but at least last preseason, you can I'm be like, you, man. Put him with the Marlies yeah. and just play the ever-living crap out of him. Play him with good players. Get him real confident. Put him on power play one. Play him 20 minutes a night. Yeah. And see if he can do it or not. Because if he can't do it in that situation, then he's probably not going to be an impact player in the NHL. If you had to guess at this point, do you think he's an NHL player? Uh, I think he might end up as kind of like a fringy kind of guy. Yeah, I think like that's maybe, maybe probably he the right read until on a weak team and then maybe can't break through on a team like this. Yeah, maybe. But he's probably the first recall, right? If they need a center there, they would call up Holmberg probably. Yep. And yeah. if they need I mean, a winger, we'll then it would be... It would be Robertson. I mean, like, who else would they? I'm looking at the list. Like, who else would they recall? I mean, we'll I mean, see we'll what, see what happens with McMahon. 
He's yeah. an option depending on the role. Again, like the role will matter, but you're right. Like they don't have, I mean, Gambrell will eventually get healthy. That's like a, another option, but yeah, it's not a ton, ton of depth. At least experience depth. I mean, like almost no one there is playing the NHL besides Gambrell. I guess Holmberg, Robertson a little. Yeah, well, I don't know if played a- like 230 games. So I mean, there's like someone that they can think about recalling. I mean, he didn't he had an injury and didn't didn't get to show much in camp. The other thing I want to ask you before we get to the questions is where do you think they are on D? Like we talked a little about Kokonen. What what about uh, you know, Simon Benoit didn't show anything. Did you see anything from Maxime Lajoie who was in the the Hurricane system for a couple of years who who who's, has played games for the Senators at, at times, or William Legison played for Edmonton. Um, anything from the, any of those guys? I didn't mind Lagason. Like, he kind of looks like he could just be a guy who comes up and plays like 12 minutes and is kind of boring. And he's kind of like a Cali or something, right? Yeah. Just, but he's bigger. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't mind him. Like, that's why I, I, I kind of would have just grabbed Bogosian just based on that. And like clearly, they wanted to have that element, and just like a little bit more insurance. I think Bogosian right slowed down from what he was with the like that was that's sure. a few years ago, right? Like for sure. So. But like, what's the downside, right? Claim him, and right, he makes eight fifty. I don't know. I get. I guess they're thinking like eventually Timmons comes back, and but it's like, do I know what Timmons is? Like maybe they really. want to get a look at Coconut and some of the other, you know the other pieces and see what they got. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, Bogosian is not solving their issue on D. Like, their D is going to be what it is based on whether Klingberg works out, whether Brody is more like the defenseman he was during the regular season, whether McCabe is able to handle a top four role, whether Lilgren is able to take a step, whether Mark Giordano at age 40 is able to play still. A lot of questions. I ran out of breath. 40, that's, that's old, Jonas. Yeah, oldest player in the league, two years in a row. That's decrepit. I say as someone who is <laughs> older than that. Um, all right, are we ready for questions? Sure. Okay. Uh, Sean says, make the second line make sense for me. Can you do that? I mean, I remember writing, I don't know when, but that I didn't think that a line like this would be feasible defensively i didn't think they would do this i didn't i mean they they didn't they clearly didn't mean to do this initially right Domi's such a he's another piece that like this this roster i feel like some of the pieces don't fit it's like you're doing a puzzle and there's like you have to like really push to get them to go together i guess the idea i mean pretty clearly the idea is Tavares and neilner play together tons they have chemistry for sure the chemistry kind of comes and goes and that's been part of the problem Defensively, they've obviously had their issues, but good offensive players, great offensive players, I think, in in Neilander's case now at this point in his career. And then you add a, a person, player like Domi, who's smart, skilled, can kind of set those guys up, good passer. So maybe, maybe you just shelter the hell, the hell out of that line and just put it in the offensive yeah. zone and it's just like it's just there to be a weapon for you. Yeah, who's, I mean, who's been the best left winger that they've put with Tavares and Nylander before? Who's the best player they've had? To like, do you want to know who it is? Who? Galchenyuk. And like, I don't even think it's a debate. I don't know mm-hmm. who else you could even say. Galchenyuk well, is an really upgrade over Galchenyuk. I mean, there's some similarities there, but 
there's a lot of similarities. I think the only difference is he's not six foot whatever like Galchenyuk mm-hmm. was. Like he was a big mm-hmm. guy, and Galchenyuk can play. I think with more pace than than Domi, but. Yeah, maybe that's, I mean, the one thing that Galchenyuk had that, that Domi does have as well is like he could make plays and that's like really kind of what hin- hindered, hindered, perfect word, hindered like Alex Kerfoot. He was just like a little shy in terms of like the offensive skill and obviously defensively he's just smaller. They've, they've, they've really tried a lot of different guys in that spot. That's I think funny. Nyes would fit there too, to be honest. Yeah, well, that's, I wonder if you could. But it's then, can you play Domi, Minton, Yarkok? Like, I don't know. Well, they must be know. thinking that Minton can take some tough minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's, so. That's what they're looking at here. Well, and you look at their schedule too, Jonas. It's not like world beaters right out of the gate, right? Like Montreal, Chicago. Like maybe you try this lineup and see how it goes against some weaker teams. Yeah, that's a good point. Let them go head to head with Bedard. <laughs> I think they're buddies, aren't they? Uh, well, they're they're both Vancouver guys. There's a lot of good players coming out of Vancouver now. When I was a kid growing up in BC, there were not very many good. Like Paul Correa was one of the only ones. There were not very many, and Joe Sakic. There were not, but there weren't that many. It wasn't like a hub the way that like the GTA is, and now it really feels like Vancouver is a huge producer of great players. Also produces really good baseball players too. Not yeah, Vancouver, well, the, BC. Baseball's a big deal in BC. I had I, some of my close friends in high school went and played uh, NCAA baseball. Like it's it, it's mm. uh, it's a big deal there. Um. All right, Mike H would like to know: Should the Leafs spread out the nine games for Minton over the first fifteen or so? Have him play the first, or have him play the first nine games? I feel like watching. He says, I feel like watching from the press box with guys like Shane Doan and Jake Muzzin could be useful for him. I Do you know what drives me crazy a little bit now as someone in the media when a player gets scratched and then he comes back into the lineup whenever and the media say like something, I mean, I'm sure I've done it way back in the day. Like, what did you learn watching from the press box? Like, oh, dude, come on. You know, <laughs> they learned, they learned they didn't like being in the press box. <laughs> yes. That's they basically learned, it. They, they didn't like sitting there looking over and seeing you and me there typing. That was not, that was not the highlight of their, their week. But I think you kind of got to come to a decision like pretty quick. Like it, it, it's not going to be, you're not going to have him in the press box. Like if it's not, if it's not working, you send him back and he goes and plays for Canada's world junior team. He's the captain in Kamloops. You celebrate. They celebrate. <laughs> well, God, Campbell's, last year was Campbell's chance. And they're, they're, it's, it's over. They're rebuilding now. So <laughs> maybe he gets traded to a better team at some point. Isn't his brother on the team too? Yeah. Yeah. I've been yeah, getting Bryce. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be fun if he gets to go back there and play with him. Um, Look at you with the in-depth knowledge of the Blazers depth chart. Love it. <laughs> Uh, Brian wants to know when healthy, who's higher on the depth chart, Bobby McMahon or Noah Gregor? Wow. That is only a question that a deep <laughs> fan would ask. I appreciate it. That is only a question that you would ask our show and no other yes. show that exists on earth. You don't think, I mean, you don't think Overdrive's talking about the Gregor McMahon debate? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Uh, Gregor. 
I like McMahon, though. I think, like, it's too bad he was hurt. Yeah, I 21 can. goals in 30 AHL games last year. And when you, like, he just works his ass off. I, I'd like to see him get another shot. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is a good one. Ryan wants to know, camp is over. So what are what over-unders would you give for number of games played as a Leaf? He's got four players. Are you ready? Yep. McMahon. What's the over-under? Oh, I'm supposed to give the over-under? Yeah. Nine and a half, and I'd take the over? He's only going to play nine games? I'm taking the over. <laughs> yeah, but you set, you set the over-under so low that it, of course you'd take the over on nine. I mean, I think... Wait, how many games like, did he play last year? Well, he was hurt. He Not for hurt. the whole year. He was hurt for the last month of the season. Okay, and he played in anyway, I think that 10 games. I, I, let me set the over-under. Uh, okay. 20 games. Is McMahon going to play more or less than that? Under. Okay. Uh, what about Holmberg? I mean, I could see Holmberg maybe getting more, especially like more. If, Minton, if Minton gets sent down or there's injuries or the fact that he can play center probably helps him get more. Yeah, he's so like Hol- fifth in the center depth chart. Holmberg, I would say over-under 38 games. Woo-hoo-hoo, that's high. I'll take uh, Go I'll under take then. Under. Yeah, right. I'll take under. And then uh, Nick Robertson's another one on here. I mean, Robertson is, it's really dependent on injuries. A lot of these guys is dependent on injuries. So for Robertson, I will give his over under at 31 games. Well, let me ask you a question about that. So let's yeah. say, let's say, I think your, your plan is logical. Just play the hell out of him. Part of me is like, maybe they should just say, you know what? We're, we're not going to call him up. Like, we're going to let him play there until, whatever, February. And then we'll see where things are at. I don't know that you can do that. Like, if they had a couple injuries and you didn't call him up, like, that's kind of... I agree I with letting him settle right. in for at least six, seven weeks. Like, like give him some time. Do you, do you say that to him? Like, this is not an indictment on you. We're just, we just want you to play. We're not calling you up. I mean, I think you only call him up, Jonas, if you've got a hole in the top nine. Like, I don't think you bring him up and play him eight minutes with camp on the fourth line. So I don't think so. You need, like, a specific injury to decide you know what, to call James? him up. Another, actually, I'm not going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, let's do the counterpoint to this. If someone gets hurt in the top nine for a group, do you really want to be playing Gregor or Camp or McMahon? Or, like, do you want them in your top nine? Probably not. Nope, you're right about that. I mean, yeah, you're right so about that. So that's when huh? that's the opening for Robertson, right? Is like if they need someone who can produce offense, there's not like a whole bunch of names to call up. I mean, Holmberg showed a little bit of offense last year, but Gregor did get like some cups of coffee with like some of the Sharks better player, but like not a lot. And I don't know offensively if that's really for him. And the last one from Ryan for uh, over-under for Leaf Games is how many games is Minton going to get? And I'm going to set the over-under at nine games. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it's, it's, I mean, the Leafs don't know and Minton doesn't know. And it's just kind of like a fun story. It's just such a jump from the, the preseason to the regular season. Like, Again, we talked last week about like Malgin and Robertson and how good they were in the preseason last year, and then the NHL regular season came and it just it didn't, didn't translate. So we'll see. He's much bigger than those guys, and he's quicker and better defensively. So we'll see. Andy asks, 
Zach Bogosian's on waivers. Do the Leafs make a claim? I can answer that one. No, they do not. <laughs> and uh, nobody did. Nobody did. Well, he, like I said, I think he's slowed down. I think he's he's on his way. Uh, he's on his way. Uh, the numbers from him looked okay last year. Like he's not playing a ton, but he never played a ton. I just looking at some of uh, Dom's analysis. Like there's, there's like literally his, his offensive game is. But it was like he was yeah. never that, right? Let's see, man. Most of the questions are about Minton today. There is a lot of Minton questions. You have uh, a good one, J B Leafs. I don't think that's his real last name, but J B Leafs says, uh, "Should Domi switch to his dad's number twenty-eight now that Lafferty is gone?" Yeah, totally. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> you think so? I mean, not really, because. Get, I don't get think, Max like, out don't there get dropping the, sense, the gloves in the first game. He's never been 28 in his career from what I can see on hockey reference. I don't think he, I don't get the sense that he wants to like lean into that. You know what I mean? Like he, he's asked about it a lot about his dad, but he hasn't seemed to like, I don't know. He kind of seems like those questions are, he understands them, but he doesn't, do you know what I mean? Like remember, when well, David Clarkson signed you live, here, he, you live your whole life in the shadow of when your dad is someone like that, right? Like his dad's an icon yeah. in the city. I remember when I first moved to Toronto. Yeah. I first moved here twenty years ago, two thousand three, or uh, yeah, two thousand three. And like Ty Domi's face was like on the buses and stuff. He was like, like in like advertisements and whatever. Like he was just like a huge presence. Why does he have so many famous friends? Ty Domi? Yeah. He's just oh, like a, he's like a social light. Like he's out doing stuff. Did you see that? There was a picture that um, someone posted of all the Leafs at the Drake concert. And it, it's all Leafs players except for one person. And it's, it's Ty Domi's there with them at the concert. So. Yeah. But I, so I was going to say like, remember, I, I mean, I know you remember, but when they signed David Clarkson and on the Toronto Sun, I think there was like Wendell Clarkson or something. And like they, he they leaned fake, into it. They put a fake mustache on him and, and he yeah. took the reverse number of, of yeah, Wendell he Clark. Leaned he into it and it was a disaster. And, yeah, I feel bad for David Clarkson. I, none of, I don't think any of that was his fault. No, it's not his fault they gave him that contract. He was never going to be able to live up to it. But Yeah. It's not, uh, what was the quote? It's not years... Six and seven we're worried about? Yeah, something? Nona said he was only worried about year one, and then he was just, like, brutal, like... <laughs> suspended, like, right away. <laughs> Good yeah. times. Uh, Jake wants to know, do you think the Leafs will load management Giordano, considering the wheels fell off in the playoffs? Who's likely to fill that spot in the rotation? Now that they can carry an extra player, I think it makes a ton of sense, especially when they go on the road, carry an extra defenseman. You could even rotate through the Legacens and... Benoit's and uh, Kokonen's and 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 sit Giordano. I mean, Giordano should not play more than sixty games this year. Well, and remember, like I mean, they had a lot of injuries, so they were having to play him more than they should have. But like he was playing back to backs and like both nights of back to backs. He was playing lots of minutes too. Like remember, there were games where he would play like twenty twenty one minutes, and he Even played really well times. too. Like he played yeah. like this. He was one of what what was that November December? I want to yeah, say he last year. A ton. And and the Leafs were winning games and it, with like you know the, the makeshift blue line like I mean he was a, like a real positive story for them last season and, until until the playoffs but it's just not realistic to expect like now if they run into injuries they're just not going to be able to turn to him to play twenty minutes. No, he played twenty minutes 
wow, 26 times. Yeah, like, yeah. And 25 minutes was the high. It's a lot. Wow. I remember that game. Yeah, that was in Tampa. Wow. Yeah, not only does he play 25 minutes, he does it against the Lightning. Yeah, tough. So, yes, I do think there will be some load management and the way their cap situation. And that was another reason why they couldn't keep Lafferty because it just wasn't – if they had a bit different roster, I think they could have went with the the minimum, but they need an extra player this year. Re- and they need an extra player for the Reeves reason as well if you want to sit Reeves sometimes, which I think they probably should do at times. I was going to make one of my bold predictions that he plays all 82 games, and I actually kind of think that that's what will happen. I don't I, I don't, I don't think that's what should happen, but – yeah the question is sometimes guys like that they like kind of like and this isn't i i don't i don't know reeves personally that well so i'm not saying that he's going to do this but i'm just saying in the past when players have been in that situation they like pout and get really upset when they don't play every game and so there there could be some of that where i mean he was scratched for a bunch in new york two years ago yep but remember back in the day, like Colt Moore would play every single game. Like I think Colt Moore played 82 games at one point. Matt Martin would play every single game. Yeah. And remember Matt Martin? I actually remember Matt Martin was not happy when they took him out. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Yeah. Well. Why would you be? I get it. I mean, it's, there's pride and everything, but, you know, I think for the good of the team, Reeves shouldn't play every game. But anyway, we're back to hitting the dead horse again. Um. Okay, here's a good one. JD wants to know, if the Leafs are protecting a lead, which two lines and D pairs would play the most? It's a good question. Matthews and then I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what they do is they're going to do a Franken line. This is what they're going to do. It's going to be the Matthews line and then it's going to be camp centering some combination of, it, it, maybe it'll be Nye's camp Yarncrock or something or maybe they'll do Minton camp Yarncrock or... You know, maybe they don't it, have a lot of guys that you want on the ice protecting a lead, to be honest. The flip side of that, to me, Jonas, they have more guys on this team that you have to shelter than they've had in the past. It's it's a, like It feels like a pretty long list. Yeah, and as far as D, Riley Brody and then McCabe and, like, I bet it becomes McCabe Lilgren. Yeah. I mean, you can't put Klingberg out there to protect a lead. I do not think so. That's going to be one of the stories of their season, I think, Jonas, is that who steps up in those key minutes and, and does it hurt them? And it's almost like they've leaned more in the direction of like having more of an offensive team and they have they have more players who are weaker defensively. And does that hurt them? Does it? Are they going to score more goals than last year to compensate for that? I mean, they've always been a good offensive team. Um, I think that that's one of the stories of their season there. Absolutely. I mean, that's clearly the bet they made. And obviously that's with an eye toward the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but maybe that hurts you in the regular season and maybe it hurts you in the playoffs, honestly. All right. We'll I, got, I got one more. Okay. You can answer okay. this one. This one's funny. So I just want to ask it. Chevy wants to know in which month will tree living trade for Matt Dumba? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, they, I mean, they're going to, don't they have pro- Matt Dumba basically already? I guess. <laughs> Why they need to trade for Matt Smart, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Matt Dumba, but kind of already down that rabbit hole. Klingberg. Anyway, all right, James. Uh, so schedule: the Leafs are getting going. Play on Wednesday. Play on Saturday. Play on Monday. Connor Bedard comes to Toronto. 
that should be fun uh and we will be recording on tuesday right after that so we that's it i don't have anything else to say we nothing thanks everyone <laughs>